we've all heard about sanctuary cities and what they are and what's going on in the country. But have you ever heard of a Second Amendment sanctuary county, city, or territory? If not, then this is certainly the episode that you do not want to miss. We're going to discuss what they are and why they're spreading like wildfire in the country today. All this and more on the Common Sense Podcast, Episode 2. Welcome, everyone, to the Common Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matt, and I am so excited that you have decided to tune in for episode two. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. And I assure you that this is definitely not a sound effect, but a live audience that we have here as we're recording the show. (laughs) All right, everyone. So we need to preface the main topic of Second Amendment sanctuaries um, by discussing something that's been in the news for a while now, and that is the uh, recent uptick in requests and proposals for what they call red flag laws. Now, this has come out of, if you don't know, the recent uh, mass shootings that have happened around the country. And don't get me wrong, these mass shootings are horrible, and my heart goes out to everyone involved, every person that's uh, affected by this. But these red flag laws have definitely been in the news, and hopefully you know what they are. If not, we'll talk about them here in a second. But I think that that's the seed that is leading to this recent uh, topic that's just I've heard about this last week of Second Amendment sanctuaries. So let's, let's get into this and start talking common sense. When I talk to people about a topic, I find it often helps to preface it by talking about something that they can relate to. And I don't know where you stand on the Second Amendment, gun rights, red flag laws, those kinds of things. But before we get into that, let's talk about social media, because I think most people um, have some exposure to it, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. And social media has been fantastic for so many reasons, for so many people. It has allowed us to reconnect with friends and family that we may not have talked to. It has allowed us to reach out and connect with people we don't even know and and to discuss and, and comment. And so it's been a great, great blessing uh, technology-wise and with humankind and relationships. But it also has a, a dark side. Uh, and the dark side of social media really comes into play with what we've seen as far as the division and the attacks and the things that are said. You know, cyberbullying is indeed a very real thing for many kids today. And I think that the, the thing that allows it to happen on social media is the anonymity. You know, people today, if you can't be seen face to face, it's really easy to let your nastiest, most mean things be said because you don't have to face the person. Yeah, you have to read the response, but you don't have to face them. And I, and I think that that is where we get into some really dark and, and disgusting things about human nature when it comes to social media. Now, think about the things that you've witnessed or even experienced with regards to social media. Think about the different mean and nasty things that you've either read about others or 
maybe personally been exposed to. Think about, you know, the things that have been said, you know, to your coworkers or, you know, strangers that you just have friended on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is. And you may have, like myself, found yourself saying, well, hey, that's just not true. I know that person. Or, hey, you don't have all the facts. You don't know what you're talking about. But when the mob mentality gets going and it, you know, it runs counter to the narrative of what's being pushed by the media and the news that can really have a, a seriously damaging effect. You know, yes, there are things that are said on Facebook that we find offensive, um, but that doesn't give you or anyone the right to to go out and and shut that person down. You know, there's a lot of damage that's done to people emotionally and mentally and and really, let's be honest, sometimes professionally, we've seen careers that have been impacted negatively all because of a tweet or a Facebook post. And that's really scary. And you understand the people who report you and other people on Twitter and Facebook, you know, only because they dislike your opinion you know, these people are now saying, hey, we want you to trust the government and a government-run system where people can, without serious penalty of law, report you and me and have our legally owned property, our guns and firearms, confiscated before we are allowed to defend ourselves in a court of law. And this confiscation, you could lose your property and not have the opportunity to defend yourself for weeks or even months. And this, to me, is absolutely insane. So when we come back, we'll delve into these red flag laws because I really think it's important we understand what they are and why they're being implemented. And are they going to solve any problems? Are they really going to fix anything? Are they going to stop any of these mass shootings and the violence that we're seeing? On the other side of the break, we'll discuss that. Here at the Common Sense Podcast, as I hope you know, I am a huge fan and proponent of freedom of speech. Unfortunately, not everyone shares that view, and we've seen that in the world of social media especially. Now, if you feel the same way that I do when it comes to your freedom of speech, it's time to take back some of your control in that realm, and what we're talking about is switching from Twitter to apps like Gab Social and Parler. Now, Gab Social and Parler are new apps that I recently discovered. They are no way uh, affiliated with the show. They're not sponsors, although eventually we would love to grow and have them as such. But currently, Gab Social and Parler are not affiliated with the show, but they are great platforms, great ways to take back control and to speak your mind. They are well thought out, well developed, and they're constantly coming out with new features that I find very helpful uh, in getting out my thoughts to those that I connect with. So give them a chance to uh, impact your life as well. Take back that control from Twitter. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and download either Gab Social or Parlor today. And as soon as you set up your accounts, be sure to search out Common Sense Podcast. That way you can keep in touch with me and I can hear back from you. And together we can keep Common Sense alive. Welcome back to the show. Uh, So now let's get into red flag laws and talk a little bit about them. 
Okay. Uh, recently, in doing some research for the show, I read an article by Dana Lash, who is a spokesperson for the NRA. And uh, in that, she started talking about red flag laws in particular. And, and uh, it said basically that politicians, some politicians, not all, but some politicians have uh, referred to law-abiding, gun-owning Americans as, quote, domestic security threats. And they really want us to trust them with implementing a system that denies us our right to due process. You see, under red flag laws, essentially, or what they're also known as extreme risk protection orders, ERPOs for short, we would no longer be considered innocent until proven guilty, but instead slightly guilty until proven innocent. Now, I, for one, am not comfortable giving the government that kind of control over my life or any other American citizen, honestly. They've failed already with the laws that are in place, and now they want us to give them more power? <laughs> I don't think so. To look at this a little more closely, let's take a look at two of the more recent shootings that have been in the news, Parkland, Florida, and the shooting in Dayton, Ohio. Now, in both cases, these perpetrators that committed these horrible, heinous crimes were literally walking red flags themselves, and yet they were still able to secure guns legally and commit their crimes. Let's take a closer look at each of them individually. In the case of the Parkland shooter, the school district refused to report his crimes and they felt that this was the same thing as reducing crime by just not reporting what he had done. And he was actually guilty of things like beating his adoptive mother. He was guilty of sending death threats to some of his fellow students. And he even put a gun to another person's head, amongst other things. Now tell me, are those red flag activities? Absolutely. Had they been reported, uh, probably wouldn't have been a problem. He wouldn't have been able to get his gun and do what he did. You know, Teachers were even given backup plans should he become threatening, and it got to a point where this particular student was being searched every single morning when he arrived to school to make sure that he didn't have anything that he could actually hurt someone with. In the case of the Dayton shooter, some of the things we know about him was that in high school, he actually compiled a hit list of classmates that he wanted to kill, and many students said that he was a real extreme bully to students in school. As an adult, he was actually a part of, or a member of, I should say, what they call a porno grind band. Now, I do not know what kind of music that is, but in researching for this show, most of the songs are about raping and killing women. Can we say red flag right there? Additionally, a woman that he dated briefly said that he would take her to gun ranges and he would show her body camera footage from mass shootings and confided that he was bipolar and had obsessive compulsive disorder. Possibly something they should have known about. On his Twitter page, he described himself as he, him, anime fan, metalhead, leftist. I'm going to hell and I'm not coming back. He wrote on Twitter that he would happily vote for Democrat Elizabeth Warren, praised Satan, was upset about the 2016 president election, and added, I want socialism, and I won't wait for the idiots to finally come around to understanding. The Greene County Board of Elections lists his party as Democrat. Additionally, several tweets had a lot to say about his thoughts on Parkland, Florida, and the shooting there, and September 11th. So again, there's lots of red flag activity with regards to both of these individuals. So here's my point in why I talk about these red flag activities or behaviors of these two individuals. 
Simply put, the lack of enforcement of the current laws that we have, because we do have laws in this country with regards to firearms, the lack of enforcement of the current laws that we have allowed these two to get a hold of guns and to commit their crimes. So if the current laws aren't being enforced to the point that they are catching red flag behaviors, we don't need additional laws because they won't do any good. You see, in this person's opinion, my humble opinion, passing red flag laws will accomplish really only two things. First, it will ultimately lead to disarming law-abiding citizens, thus infringing on our Second Amendment rights and also due process. And secondly, it will not stop shootings or criminal activity with guns. It simply won't. Because there's one thing that people seem to like forget when they think about this. The people that commit crimes with guns are criminals. They do not care about the law at all all. So if you pass more laws, do you think they're going to suddenly say, huh, I don't need to do this. It's against the law. No, they're going to go out, they're going to get a gun illegally, or they're going to find some other way to commit the crime that they want to, because again, they are criminals. So thank you for hanging in there with me through that explanation and talking about kind of what has led up to the main focus of the show, which is simply that we're going to talk about Second Amendment sanctuaries. Now, if you have not heard about these, I am very excited about this and I'm following it very closely as to the development. But let's take a step back and for those that don't know what these are, let's talk about them, okay? Second Amendment sanctuaries refer to resolutions that have been adopted by some jurisdictions within the United States to not expend resources to enforce certain gun control measures perceived to violate the Second Amendment. They oppose the enforcement of universal background checks, high-capacity magazine bans, assault weapon bans, red flag laws, and much more. Now, just like I'm sure every common sense focused American knows about sanctuary cities, well, Second Amendment sanctuary counties, townships, districts, whatever municipality they're applied to, they're essentially doing the same thing on the state level that these cities are doing on the federal level, except there's one teeny tiny small difference. See, in the case of a Second Amendment sanctuary, they actually have the Constitution on their side, giving them justification for what they're doing. I do find it very, very interesting that these are popping up in predominantly democratically controlled uh, jurisdictions. And while these places have no problem essentially giving the middle finger to the federal government with regards to non-citizens who are here illegally. But if you're an American citizen who wants to exercise your constitutional right per the Second Amendment, oh, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that because you might be a danger to someone else. Does anyone listening to this or within the sound of my voice have a problem with this and see how this runs completely contrary to common sense? I'm sure seeing the people that probably are tuning into this podcast that you are common sense grounded American patriots probably recognize that there is some insanity to what's going on with this. When you think about sanctuary cities versus Second Amendment sanctuary uh, 
territories and jurisdictions. But as I was researching the topic here and kind of thinking about what we're dealing with here, I wanted to know how widespread are these? I mean, is it just an isolated community here and there? Well, my research turned up that actually it's bigger than we think. And currently, there are four states in the United States of America that have passed Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions, and those include Alaska, Idaho, Kansas, and Wyoming. So if you are lucky enough to live in one of those four states, no matter what anyone says or does on the federal level, your state recognizes your right to exercise the Second Amendment, which is fantastic. Now, if you don't live in one of those four states that I previously mentioned, these states have at least one county, or in the case of California, one city, and in the case of Maine, one town, and in the case of New Jersey, one township, that currently have passed a Second Amendment sanctuary resolution. But the states that do have something available, at least in a portion, if not you know, the majority of the state, are Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, Oregon, Rhode Island, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, Washington, and Wisconsin. But the state that brought this to my attention and was in the news most recently is Virginia. And in November, the Virginia Democratic Party won total control of the General Assembly for the first time in a quarter century which then enabled them to start pushing gun control legislation. Incoming Senate Majority Leader Dick Saslaw drafted a bill, and in that bill, the summary basically says that it currently expands the definition of quote-unquote assault firearms and prohibits any person from importing, selling, transferring, manufacturing, purchasing, possessing, or transporting an assault firearm. It is considered a violation and is a Class 6 felony to do so. The bill additionally prohibits a dealer from selling, renting, trading, or transferring from his inventory an assault firearm to any person. The bill additionally prohibits a person from carrying a shotgun with a magazine that will hold more than seven rounds of the longest ammunition for which it is chambered in a public space. Under existing law, this prohibition applies only in certain localities. The bill makes it a Class 1 misdemeanor to import, sell, barter, or transfer any firearm magazine designed to hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition. The new governor, Ralph Northam, and the democratically-controlled House of Delegates wasted absolutely no time in bringing the gun control bills forward that, if passed, would include universal background checks, an assault weapons banned, and a red flag law. Within this proposed law, there is a quote-unquote grandfather clause for individuals who already own assault weapons with the requirement that they have to register their weapons before the end of a designated grace period or they will have to turn in their firearms. So what do you guys think of the proposed laws that the Democrats are trying to push through in Virginia? I find them highly offensive and very much in violation of the Second Amendment. But you know what? Let's see what the citizens of Virginia have to say after the break. Earlier in the podcast, I shared with you a couple free speech-focused alternatives to Twitter. Well, what about Facebook? I'm glad you asked. I recently was introduced to a website called Minds.com and its corresponding app. 
Now, what I absolutely love about Minds.com is that no one has to worry about demonetization, censorship, or unfair treatment that we have come to expect from Facebook and the other social networks. Minds offers a fully transparent, privacy-focused platform with no bias, hidden algorithms, or censorship. And if you're a creator like me, you can upgrade to a pro account, get paid for your work, morph your channel into a full-blown website with your own subdomain or custom domain, newsfeed, logo, themes, categories, and a footer. Minds allows you to leverage the blockchain and crypto payments to eliminate the middleman and maintain autonomy over your revenue streams. So if this sounds as good to you as it did to me, be sure to set up your Minds.com account today. And be sure, once you've done that, to subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast channel. So before the break, we were talking about the uh, new bills that are being proposed and put together uh, for the state of Virginia. And I uh, wanted to share with you what I found to be the response of the citizens of the Virgi- of Virginia. And overwhelmingly, <laughs> Virginians are saying, absolutely not. Just since the Democrats took over in the state, currently there are 76 out of 95 counties nine out of 38 independent cities and 11 towns that have adopted Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions. To me, that makes it very clear that the people of Virginia are saying, absolutely not. You are not going to infringe upon our rights of the Second Amendment. Of course, the response from the state legislature hasn't been a pretty one, to say the least. Currently, Democratic lawmakers in Virginia's capital of Richmond are firing back, no pun intended, threatening to cut off state funding for these counties, independent cities and towns, and prosecute any law enforcement officials and even activate the National Guard if they refuse to carry out anticipated gun control measures. Up on Capitol Hill, some of the lawmakers are echoing Governor Northam in calling for quote-unquote consequences for local police who may refuse to enforce future gun control laws if the legislation proposed by some Democrats goes through. In fact, Virginia Democratic Representative Jerry Connolly told the Washington Examiner, quote, I would hope they either resign in good conscience because they cannot uphold the law which they are sworn to uphold, or they're prosecuted for failure to fulfill their oath, end quote. He goes on to say, the law is the law. If that becomes the law, you don't have a choice, not if you're a sworn officer of the law. Additionally, Virginia Democratic Representative Donald McEachin said, quote, They certainly risk funding, because if the sheriff's department is not going to enforce the law, they're going to lose money. The county's attorney's offices are not going to have the money to prosecute because their prosecutions are going down, end quote. It appears to me that uh, in the state of Virginia, they are quickly coming to a crossroads. The legislature has one idea of what they think is best for the citizens of uh, Virginia, and clearly the citizens have quite the other idea. And things are far from over, because uh, in Tazewell, Virginia, Tazewell County, they uh, earlier in December, on December 3rd or 4th, I believe, joined the ranks of the Second Amendment sanctuary counties. However, um, they took it a step further, and this is very, very, very interesting to me. Not only did the Tazewell County Board unanimously pass a Second Amendment sanctuary resolution, but they went above and beyond and have actually passed a militia resolution. This resolution codifies the establishment and maintenance of a de facto militia in Tazewell County. 
according to the Firearms News, which reached out to the Tazewell Councilman, Thomas Lester, who is also a professor of American history and political science. Lester argued, quote, declaring our county a Second Amendment sanctuary is a great first step. However, Virginia is unique because of its constitution. Under Article 1, Section 13 of the Virginia Constitution, Virginia must maintain a well-regulated militia composed of its people to validate its authority. He noted that this is the political subdivision of legislature from which Virginia politicians derive authority, an authority expressly stated in the Virginia Constitution. Lester added that the following points about Virginia's Constitution— this is because the purpose of the militia is not just to protect the county from domestic danger, but also protect the county from any sort of tyrannical actions from the federal government. Our constitution is designed to allow them to use an armed militia as needed. If the federal government takes those arms away, it prevents the county from fulfilling their constitutional duties. But this is not limited to just our county, but also as a part of a network of sister counties showing solidarity for both Virginia's and the American Constitution. When asked about how the county would prepare residents to be militiamen, Lester explained, As for the people, our militia resolution will be funding firearms safety and training for our county citizens, the ROTC, and the public school systems, as well as the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. These preparations are done to prepare our citizens to be able to become de facto militiamen if need be. Virginia has a middle-of-the-road gun law compared to other states. However, Democrats' recent successes in the state's level at the state level may put the state's gun policies in jeopardy. So my friends, what say you? I uh, hope you found this episode completely compelling, informative, and thought-provoking. And I'd definitely love to hear your thoughts on what we covered today. Love to get feedback from you. And you can reach out to me uh, via email at commonsensepodcast at fastmail.com. You can also uh, message me on Gab Social or Parlor. Just do a search for Common Sense Podcast. And if you set up your Minds account, you can go to Common Sense Podcast channel as well. So, Really easy, Common Sense Podcast on most of those platforms I've outlined for you. And if you haven't had time to set up your account yet with either one of those and you still use that old school thing called Twitter, you can find me at Podcast. That's C-O-M Sense Podcast. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in on this episode of the Common Sense Podcast and remind you to please subscribe and give it a five-star rating if you enjoy what you're hearing. Have a great rest of your day, and until we meet next time, please remember that there is nothing more uncommon today than common sense.